Hey everyone, this is Trauma Drama, and we are your hosts, Kaylee and Nick, and this is where we discuss surviving adulthood. We can probably agree that we're all pretty fucked up and that it affects us every day, whether we know it or not. I used to think that wasn't me, but if you come from a family, live in our society, go to school, experience love, sex, and friendships, then you're in the right place. Kay and I are going to break down everyday life and problems that come from managing your drama post-trauma. Let's fucking do it. Welcome back, everybody, to Trauma Drama. All my kings, queens, and humans in betweens, we're happy that you're back. Um, we have a part two episode today that we're really, really excited about. But I'm Kaylee, and that is Nick, and we're going to get into it. Yeah. On today's episode of Trauma Drama, we're going to start with our sweet and sours. And then, like Kaylee said, our main topic for the day is triggers part two. And then we're going to end it with our deep cut and hard truths. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, do you want to start with your sweet? I do, yes. I have some pretty great sweets um, for coming up this week. So it's not something that has happened yet, but things that are coming up this week. Um, I have two new tattoos that are planned for Ooh. this week. Yes, I don't oh, know if you knew what that. What are they? So um, one of them is actually pretty embarrassing, but also like super fucking cool. It's a, yeah. it's a Megan Fox tattoo. Okay. Yeah. I read so, that. Well, when she was in her naked dress? No. Why? When oh. she was um, in Jennifer's body. So have you seen the movie Jennifer's body? I haven't. Ugh. But is she really hot? Because she's, she's like evil in that, right? Yes. So that is the whole premise is like she is literally a bisexual monster in this movie. Oh. And so there's this scene. Very cool. I know. And so there's a scene where she like lights her tongue on fire and then says, I am God. And so I'm getting that frame of her lighting her tongue wow. on fire saying, I am God on my body. <laughs> That's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will also get that tattoo. <laughs> I knew you would like it. <laughs> so and That's really good. I know. I'm really excited. So I'm going to this cool artist in Denver and they're going to do, uh, it's going to be on the top of my thigh and it's going to be a pretty big piece. So I'm really excited. Okay. Um, cool. Yes. And then... Um, one of my wonderful humans that I am dating right now is also a tattoo artist, is a stick and poke oh. artist, and Damn. will be giving me a tattoo of their choice. So that is also wow. really exciting. Um, they have Where's like that a, one going to be? Probably on the other leg, I imagined it, just to like have some balance, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but they have this book just of bugs and I was like pick any bug like I'm cool with any bug (laughs) like but I'm leaning towards this really cool moth that has like some cool um lines and shades and stuff inside the the wings does this tattoo artist have like a binder of stuff that they draw yeah do they yeah god that's so cool I've always wanted to be like that guy yeah but I'm just not just not good enough to do that and like their work is so fucking good and so fabulous. Yeah, and I bet. Like, I I truly think I am not biased that it is just good. So I'm excited. Yeah, too. no, I yeah, I believe you. I mean, if you're willing to get it tattooed on your body, it's probably yeah. good. Fuck yeah! So two um, tattoos this week. Here we go. Those are really good sweets. I like Thank them. You. Um, mine. I know I said I didn't have any. Mm. Um, I decided to choose marriage. So I'm a little weird. <laughs> uh, but Kayla's been killing it. So Aww. that was just all I wanted to. That's really say. special, Nick. Thanks. <laughs> That's really sweet. That is really All right, sweet. you're sour. My sour is that I had a really tough Millie day yesterday. So yesterday mm. we did this. Millie's your dog. Millie's my dog. So I had a really tough dog day yesterday. 
um, we did this really great and fun like hike that I've been wanting to do um, like during the morning time and we it's like a reservoir so you like hike up to this reservoir but it's like the only dog beach in Colorado so we like oh. went up to this dog beach and like Millie had a fucking blast like she learned uh-huh. that she could swim but learned what swimming was she had never swam so is this before a, in her life uh, is like a man-made lake or something it's a, with yeah. sand yes or? it is a man-made okay. reservoir it doesn't really have sand it's just like rocks kind of okay um but it's super fucking deep and it says no human swimming so it's supposed to be like only animal swimming and we were trying to figure okay. out why that might be but i'm not, still not sure but anyways that's not my my sour my sour is Millie had a great time and it was super fun. But then when it came time to like get Millie to like leave the dog beach, mm-hmm. all hell sort of broke loose. And like yeah. I got really embarrassed and like got really like shut down and like angry and frustrated with her. Um, and it was like in front of all of these other people. And I know it was yeah. that moment where like nobody cared or like nobody noticed what I was like trying to manage, but like probably yeah. I felt it and it was embarrassing. What like, would happen? Was she just not, not coming back or no, she wasn't listening. She wasn't like coming back. She's, she loves to play this game where if I try to put the leash on her, she runs away and like <laughs> literally play bows. Like, Oh, you're trying to put the leash on me. I'm going to fuck off and like runs yeah. away. And so, um, she wasn't listening to treats. She wasn't listening to like I had a ball I had a stick like anything to get her towards my body she wasn't Mm -hmm. like reacting to that so it was pretty frustrating um and so I I think the sour in that is that like I was triggered like I yeah like I felt really really responsible for this being and didn't feel like I was doing a good enough job in that moment and felt like it was my fault and felt like I wasn't like like I wasn't good enough and it was like yeah really really shitty to well, no that is that's really frustrating and you yeah. know my dog and we got an e-collar for mm-hmm. her so it's a shock collar yes everybody mm-hmm. called it an e-collar so it sounded nicer but no i zapped the motherfucker <laughs> but they're very controlled and i did it to myself first yeah. so it's like it's very humane yeah. um, but it is for that reason because we love to let her run right and have yeah. fun but when she gets on to something that she like she's very obedient naturally i think but when she gets on a scent or gets a bone mm. or gets a dead animal or mm-hmm. some or rolls in shit, like something mm-hmm. that overpowers her sense to listen to me, mm-hmm. that's when the shot collar comes in handy. Mm-hmm. So the recall is really important because yeah. we don't want her running around and even like she, but then you got to train her to respond to the shot collar. You can't just yes. put one on. If you put one on and shock them, they're going to run the opposite way. They don't know. Yeah. They have to understand how to turn. Yeah, the I've, shot off. I've read a lot about shot collars, and I know that their intent is not to harm, but the intent is to be like, "Fucking listen to me, like look in my direction." Yeah. Um, yeah. So I because I, if you have her on a leash, you have hands on her. She mm-hmm, knows mm-hmm. that, and you'll listen yeah. in that moment. But if she's off leash, she's like, "You can't yeah. touch me." Yeah. And you're like, "Oh wait, I can." But, yeah, no, I, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much more time on it because I don't want to get into the like solutions part of things. But I just wanted to say. That made me feel bad, and that was like my sour. But I think we can talk about it more as we talk about triggers. So I want to yeah, yeah, wrap absolutely. it up with my sour. Yes. But thank you, Nick. I appreciate your yeah, your no, support. of course. Yeah, no, I was definitely there. It's mm-hmm. very frustrating. Totally. Um, okay, so my sour is actually a story with my dad. So mm. I know you probably remember I had an issue with my mom about the podcast. Mm. And how she flipped it, made it about herself, and like it was a terrible conversation. So my dad. Did almost the same thing. No way. Yeah, which was crazy. Out of the blue, 
like, I mean, I guess my mom's was out of the blue too, but I didn't expect it from my dad. Um, so he basically, it was a way better conversation than I had with my mom, but having the conversation with my dad was again, like slaying the dragon. Uh. Like, so it was very heavy, very hard to deal with, even though it ended positively. It was like, I wasn't prepared to have that conversation. I didn't have the emotional currency to spend on that conversation. So it hit me really hard. Um, but I guess, you know, to flip it a little bit, it did. He was able to understand that he didn't need to make the podcast about himself. Like mm. he was being a little selfish in the moment and was, and it hurt his feelings and he just wanted to let me know that, but doesn't really know how to let me know that in mm. a healthy way. So we actually worked through it and he thanked me for the work I do on myself because it makes him a better person. Example right there, mm. like just in that situation. So mm. yeah, that was it. Fuck, I'm so sorry, Nick. That sucks. Yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, it does. It actually, it did suck. But at least we were able to, you know, he was, I know there's a lot of probably parents out there who would not be able to understand where their child's coming from. And he, again, did a really good job about that. Yeah. A, a really good job with that. So. Yeah, no, totally. I think, yeah, I, it, yes, I don't want to say anything more about it. I don't want to say that I'm yeah, sorry no, it's, and that that sucks, but I think we can talk about it more. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good yeah. talk for this uh, main topic yes. of triggers, part yes. two. So we're going to be mainly talking about managing the triggers as they come up mm-hmm. and then working through them as yeah. you continue. Yeah, so, and so take it away. Yeah, the last time in, in our part one episode, uh, one of the last things that we talked about was like giving examples of what triggers looked like for Nick and I. So giving an example of me, I don't necessarily like to be touched without consent um and for Mm -hmm. nick i don't want to speak for you nick but yours being um that you feel triggered when somebody is like raising their voice or like yelling at you or you know yeah and i think you could probably just say disrespected disrespected okay yeah or not valued i feel like those are very similar yeah and i think it's so interesting that we both said an example but then there is a deeper trigger layer like underneath it which i think is so cool so i kind of want to run with that, when we talk about identifying certain triggers and then being able to manage them, because I think um, I've been reading up on different sort of trauma tools, um, and mm-hmm. one of them being this book called Trauma Stewardship. Um, and it's a really, really great book. I would recommend it to, to folks that are interested in learning more about trauma, but it talks about um, how to care for yourself while you're in a role where you feel like you may be caring for others. So I know that's not- um, before before you get into this, uh-huh. you said something really, really important just now that mm-hmm. we kind of breezed over. What Kaylee and I are talking about with triggers is a very advanced level of thinking, mm-hmm. especially understanding our triggers. Mm-hmm. But like with the example of what Kaylee said, your trigger, Nick, is when someone yells at you. And it's like, that is when I have an emotional response, right? So if you can recognize that, you're doing great. Yes. If you can keep going even further and say, okay, why? Did that upset me? Obviously, the yelling, but like, was there an underlying meaning? Once you can start to get there, I think you're ready for what Kaylee is about to bring up. Yes, and I was gonna, I was gonna say that I was gonna get there and say that one of the the main things that the book talks about as a management tool for triggers is like leading with inquiry, asking yourself those questions of like, I don't like being touched. Why don't I like being touched? What about it makes yeah. me feel uncomfortable? What about it is like icky for me? Um, and like finding the, the root of it. And, um, I think running with that example, we said this, we said this in the last episode too, of like, I don't like being touched. Why does that upset me? Because I don't have consent in a lot of ways when somebody's being, when somebody is touching me and I don't, um, I'm not able to say, actually, I don't like that. 
Yeah, yeah, I understand. I'm sorry, my face was so blurry there for a second. You zoomed back at your, you re-calibrated. Like, yeah, I don't know what it <laughs> I moved my mic like it was focusing uh-huh. on my mic and yeah. not my face, but I don't, I don't know, that was weird. Sorry, yeah. no, that's I distracted okay. you. That's okay. Um, it did distract me. I was like, why is Nick? Yeah, it distracted me too. Please re-say what, everything you said. No, it's okay. It's okay. Because I think, um, so I think then I want to do some more exploration of like an example of yesterday. Like yesterday when I got frustrated with my dog, that, yeah. like I said, that triggered me. And I did a lot of the same, holy shit, I am having a reaction to this right now. I am fucking frustrated but what is it really? And I think the like uh-huh. the things that I found myself going back to is I had lack of control. I do not okay. like when I don't have control in a situation. Um, I also felt embarrassed or like unworthy, I guess, is what it came down yeah. to. So like the combination of any situation that makes me feel out of control and like question my worthiness, of course, you know, would would trigger me. And so the things that I felt was I felt myself shutting down. I felt myself withdrawing. I felt myself not wanting to talk to anybody or to explain anything about what I was feeling. I didn't want advice. I didn't want – I just wanted to, yeah. like – I wanted somebody – which which happened. I wanted somebody to, like, have Millie for me while I walked back to the car by myself. <laughs> like, oh, okay. That Interesting. Was, I needed to be removed from the entire situation. Yeah. Um, and I think something that I, I tried – Something I do want to talk about too when it comes to managing or moving through triggers is uh, somebody that I was with brought this to my attention that I also tried to put my happy face on. I tried mm. to be like, no, everything's fine. Like, I'm fine. It's okay. Yeah. And I I want to talk – I want to ask you if you do that as well. But before I do, I want to say, like, step number one, wrapping that all up. If you are managing a trigger, step number one for me has always been – leading with inquiry and asking yourself the question, why am I feeling this way? Or like, but even that first question is so so hard to get there. What do you think? Well, I think we're, well, I think like going back to my point, Mm -hmm. that's a very advanced step. Mm -hmm. So let's back it up a little bit. Like in the moment, like you said, how would I react? Mm -hmm. How would you react? You were reacting like, everything's okay. Like all Mm -hmm. this shit. Right. And I actually, I do the same thing. It's not for me though. It's Mm -hmm. so I don't pass down trauma. Like, Interesting. sometimes there's no need for us to react mm. in that way, right? You were triggered. Yeah. So there's a chance you act a way you don't actually want to act. Yeah. And if it was a child, you could throw stuff onto them, right? So I just mm. I just practice it with my, with my dog when she's like, if she's in a dangerous situation or something that's stressful, instead of me reacting to that stress, that's not going to do anything in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it would only probably freak out a child as like mm. I've seen with other little kids that are in my life. Like when the parent is freaking out for no reason, the kid can start to develop some sort of anxiety for no reason. Like the kid's having fun. Like they might be in a dangerous spot, Mm -hmm. but like you freaking out in that moment is just going to like shell shock the kid. Like just change the scenario, change the situation, whatever. So no, I, and I, I agree. And I, I understand where you're coming from because I, I've heard you say that a few different times in our episodes that like that's something that you really want to prepare for when managing triggers is like preparing for parenthood. Um, and for those that are listening that are parents or that are preparing for parenthood, I think Nick's perspective is so real and like so amazing. And like taking those proactive steps before even a child is in your life is fucking phenomenal. Um, Thank you. But I am not preparing for parenthood. 
And no, there's no need to. There's no need to. I, so I think no to. I think when I when I want to check myself and be like, am I exhibiting bad behavior? Am I hurting others? Um, I mostly I try to focus on like, does this affect the people that I'm in relationships with? Does this affect mm-hmm. my relationship with like my animal, which I like? And are you doing that in the moment? Like at the park or did you do that like after when you were like reflecting on the situation? I I think a little bit of both. And I think me putting a happy face on in the moment is trying to do the like, I don't want to hurt the people around me in the moment. And Uh I think that the afterward of like, I'm sorry if I acted, I'm sorry that if my actions hurt you were the words I said to the people that I was with. And then being able to say like, no, it didn't. And it was fine. It's like, okay. I appreciate yeah. that, but I, I I had a hard time thinking about, like, should I apologize in this moment? Like, I, I'm reacting in a way. I really, really empathize with you because mm. before I was, like, in this in this stage in my life, just a year ago, I was very, like, I would do that, what mm. you did, hide what's really going on mm-hmm. because I was worried that the people around me, A, if I made a big deal about it, wouldn't want to fix it. Yeah. And they would just, eh, he's not worth it, wow. right? I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I wanted it to be as smooth as possible. And a lot of times that meant putting Nick second. Mm. And whatever I felt, I would hide it, maybe deal with it later, maybe not, maybe snap for no reason, Mm -hmm. right? There's just like a ton of different things that happen after that. Yeah, thank thank you for saying that because that's very real. Like that is a very real part of managing triggers is like feeling or managing whatever responsibility that you feel for how it impacts others. And I think that that's – big work like that is huge heavy work and i think it's 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 easier said than done to challenge our listeners and to challenge ourselves to look inward first you know to say like i have to manage myself first because once i do that then the people around me won't be impacted at all yeah exactly and And that was why i started this by saying if you can just realize (laughs) i maybe didn't need to get that angry in that situation you're ahead of the game because a lot of people can't but more advanced into this because Mm -hmm. it's really fun to talk about yeah my reasoning for not wanting to show face to someone or not wanting to say, hey, mm. that hurt my feelings or that made me mad was because as a child, mm. it was my responsibility to keep the household okay. Mm. I couldn't be mad at my mom for something because she trained me. I couldn't yeah. feel my feelings. But besides that, I was the only one that could get through to my dad. I was the mm. only one that was there for my sister. I couldn't, if I got mad at someone, Wow. who else would keep the peace, right? Yes. So I had to really put myself aside. So. Oh. Nick, that really came out in my adulthood and I, I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> I relate to that so much too. And I, I was going to say um, another, I, I can relate to that in like the reason I think that I react in the way that I did yesterday too is like if I, as a child, similarly, as a child, if I didn't have a happy face on, I wasn't like my parents didn't see me as like my best self. They they saw me as yeah. overreacting. They saw me as like being dramatic. Like they saw Ooh. me as like, no, like you need to get over it. And so I do a lot of like pretending to put a face on so that I can get over it. So yeah. I think overarching, what a great tip or question number two for our listeners is like, number one, ask yourself like, what am I really feeling? And number two, like, did I experience these emotions in childhood? Like, did I experience yeah. anything similar when I was a child and like that might be really heavy and that might be, I recognize that might be unsafe for some folks who are not in a processing space with a a therapist, a professional with, you know, resources available. So challenge by choice, but I think that's a really good question. Number two, like, did I know it is childhood? It is fucking, I really want, I want to start talking about the book I was reading. Go ahead. Just to get into like, cause I think we're at the point of moving through. I agree. Maybe I agree. I think we're there. 
So the book I was reading to help me get through this was Iron John. So it's a book. It's a book about men for men. So it's not really in. A, can you tell me the verbiage of like straight, straight men? Right. I'm not talking about men that are maybe also dealing with um, questions of their sexuality. Oh, so like cisgendered. I'm just trying to preface it. Men. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, because there's a lot of like, I don't know. You'll 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 see. But basically, this book it takes the role of mythology and then brings it into like the real world. So like mm. the stories that are two thousand years old, they were writing about psych issues with the male psyche. Mm. Like so, it's always been a thing. But now we're like analyzing it and bringing it into the real world. So just a little touch of this would be like going through your triggers because that's where we're at. So they use an example from a Grimm's brother book, which mm. is a mythological mythological book, mm-hmm. um, and it has to do with a pond of gold where you dip your wounds in. So Whoa. I'll ex- yeah, I'll explain it in a second. So it's just some quotes from it. His wounded finger was so so painful that without intending to, he dipped it in the water and his finger had turned gold when he pulled it out. Um, so basically, that's an outer wound. But and by the by that, we mean the soul wounds or injuries to the emotional body. Sometimes the outward scars exist to remind us of inward scars. Mm. So examples of inward scars for, for the males, not even talking about the mother here. We're just talking about the father. Not receiving blessings from your father, mm. not feeling good enough, not feeling like you're living up to his standards, sure. right? You're not getting praised enough. Other examples of modern day, not seeing the father because he's at work all day, right? Because you're not on a farm anymore. He's at an office. You're not seeing what he's doing with his hands. And then when he comes home, he's usually upset. He's in a bad mood. He had a tough day, mm. right? So all that stuff is impacting the male psyche. So going through it, you have... Um, Going back to like the example of the book would be dipping your wound in the gold pond. That, in plain terms, is just working through it, reliving those gotcha. in a safe environment, yeah. playing them back through your head because you have to tie it in, be connected with those scars mm-hmm. or those issues mm-hmm. to heal it. So yeah, if you want to chime in. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think um, there's a, another like book that I've used as a resource that says some like similar things. Um, I think I've said it in other episodes too. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Yes, and yeah. And like how the body has, uh, like whether we know it or not, a neurobiological, neuropsychological ability to remember Mem- memory. what has happened yeah. to us and like um, like tells us in, in different ways, you know? Like I, I carry a lot of tension in my shoulders. I don't like being touched. I don't like, you know, uh-huh. like my body has memory of what's happened to me and what has happened um to my little trauma brain and like manages or moves through things based on that. And so I think yeah. that's something then I want to bring into trauma stewardship, if that's okay. Um, yeah. Because the this resource that we were leaning on talks about how you can manage or recognize like what this book calls warning signs. Like how do you know that you're managing a trigger? How do you know that you're managing trauma? How do you know that you have to move through them? Um this book has. You six, want me to read the definitions? I do. I want you. So this book has sixteen warning signs. We are not going to read sixteen. Yeah, but I, I think I only have like eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked out the the ones that felt the most um, accurate or the the most impactful. And um, so yeah, if Nick, you want to read those? Yeah. So and again, before I do, this is kind of like that first stage. If you're starting yeah. to like deal with it, like this is how you recognize it. And then I'll give an example of my life how I did this, mm. and I'm sure you have plenty of examples too. <laughs> so starting feeling <laughs> feeling helpless or hopeless mm. um another one sense that one can never do enough hypervigilance mm. well, i love that one 
um, diminished creativity, inability to embrace complexity, minimizing, and chronic exhaustion, body aches, or um, I did it again, body ailments. <laughs> body ailments, aches. yes. Minor body aches, but body ailments. Yes. So. And I think one last one uh, that I wanted to bring to the table to was grandiosity. And that was something Ooh, that Nick yeah. and I both, <laughs> I think, have is, and grandiosity <laughs> is like an inflated sense of importance when helping or supporting others. And Nick and I have both expressed in times that we have that sort of like, but what will they do yeah. without me? What will they do if I'm not there? I mean, I know I experienced that as a child. Like, if I left my home, my parents will die. It's like, that's probably yeah. not true. But as a well, child... Well, no, that's very true for a child, especially. Yeah. And that's why when children go through a divorce, they feel it's them, it's their fault. Because yeah. they, they could not possibly imagine a life where their parents aren't perfect. Mm. So they flip it on themselves. And it's my fault. It's my fault, right? So that's... Oh my god! It just leads into so much <laughs> bullshit when you're older. Yeah, seriously, it does. like your your career, my career, mm-hmm. right? We both were like trying to be that person in society, yeah. and it's funny because like I got there and then said fuck this, like and left. So it's very interesting yes. And so all my helpers out there, if you are listening and you are in a helping profession, or I would say even like a helping, a teaching, a coaching, a supporting profession, and you are experiencing grandiosity, you're experiencing um, lack of creativity, you're experiencing body ailments, you're experiencing hypervigilance or avoidance or fear, like all of those things, um, you might be having more of a trauma response than you think. You might be feeling, whether you know it or not, like, you know, you might be navigating triggers, you might be navigating these sort of hardships. But um, I know every time I read those like warning signs, I like feel like I'm checking a little checklist of like, oh, (laughs) yep. Yep, 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 yep. Dude, I know. It's crazy. (laughs) But I I mean, it's also, I mean, a way for me to manage it is I I embrace all this stuff. Mm. Like I told you the example of the the heightened sense of self. Like I created something in my own life to feed that because it's Mm. important to acknowledge that. And Mm. then the hypervigilance, like I just, (laughs) I do find myself... There was a point where I actually was looking over my shoulder because I was afraid of what my dad and stepmom were doing. Yeah. Like they would text me about yeah. stuff at work and they were like checking on my mm-hmm. car to see. Like, and it was like, it was weird. So yeah. like I have that stuff going on. So I still look over my shoulder sometimes. I don't, oh, yeah. I plan for the worst. I, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a lot of stuff that it's okay to engage with. Yeah. Something, something pretty wild happened to me just yesterday, and I don't know why I didn't think about this until right now, but uh, yesterday, this is a perfect example of hypervigilance and grandiosity because <laughs> I, yesterday, the power went out in my whole building, and then I found out uh-huh. the power went out in like the whole block, and gotcha. the power went out, and my dumbass, I started putting my shoes on. I started getting my keys ready. I put my mask on, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go handle this, and the people that I were with, they were like, What? <laughs> you're not on call and what the fuck are you gonna do and i was like yeah 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 wait yeah what why what you're right that's what the crazy fuck? and so i like yeah. called the rlc that was on call and they were like yep the power's out and i was like <laughs> well what are we gonna do and it's like no- <laughs> nothing there's oh my nothing God. that we can do but i went into full- you're the crazy boss who's like yes. hey it's raining can you do something about the rain <laughs> yes. no i can't do anything about the rain <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, that's probably happened to me many times before and I've never noticed it yeah, but to yeah, be called yeah. out in the moment by humans that I was with and for them to be like what are you doing I'm like no exactly what? and that's what why it's I so doing? important to like like hammer in the first step of this is to just recognize like yes. wow that was a little bit weird of me <laughs> <laughs> like you know you don't 
there's no need to like, well, when I was a child, when yeah. I was six years old, it's like, like no, just the first step's crucial because then you can do exactly what you did. Be like, wow, I've probably done that before. Here I go, <laughs> trying to save the day again. That reminds me, yeah. in the in the book Trauma Stewardship I just shared with Nick, there's this really cool uh, comic or like picture of uh, Superman laying on a oh, yeah. little lawn chair <laughs> with like a martini in his hand yeah. on the phone saying, listen, pal, they're all emergencies. And like <laughs> both of my, both of those things feel true for me where I'm like, yeah. don't talk to me. Everything's an emergency. And then the other hand yeah. is like, I'm on my way, whatever you need. <laughs> um, yeah. yes. But if, yeah, anyways, we're getting off track, but, um, no, no, it's good. <laughs> it is. Really um, I good. did have one example I wanted Please. to bring up yes. about this. So, this is going to be like, uh, I guess, a big, like, a big overarching, like you like to say, or a summary of what my experience was of all these steps, like mm-hmm. acknowledging, like, well, that was weird. Why did I do that? And then why did I do that? Really? And then diving down into that, like, so going through all that pain and remembering to come out with that golden finger mm. kind of thing. So for me, it was why can't Nick put himself first? Mm. Why does Nick's feelings, why do I feel all those triggers? Like, I feel helpless, hopeless. I can't speak up for myself. Why? Okay. Why? So going to counseling, uh, obviously mine was doing a lot of dream work and stuff. So the main dream that kept playing and my dreams, unfortunately, were memories. Mm. So they were mostly nightmares. Um, Fun fact. But yikes. I made me just want to like do a scary. No, it's yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So basically I was uh, I was about I was about like eight years old. And this was like one of the first memories I had of my mom being traumatic towards me mm. was she really hurt my feelings. I don't know why, but I got really, really mad. So I grabbed a picture of her and I like scratched out her face mm. and she found it. And instead of asking me, which is, you know, what I learned in counseling, she should have been like, why are you upset? Please explain to me what I did. You know, give me a voice. Instead, she said, why would you do this? What if I died tomorrow? And this was the last thing you did. Jesus. So that was the very first memory I have of my mom basically telling me, your feelings don't matter. Please worry about my feelings first. Mm -hmm. So from the start of that, I was told, Nick, put yourself second. So in my adulthood, now, I know I just explained that story very quickly, but it did take some time to Mm -hmm. emotionally work through that because it's very sad and like, especially it leads to a bunch of other like domino effects. Yeah. So anyways, now I just understand that I still in myself because I was nurtured not to think of myself first. It's very important for me to make time to put myself first. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that in a very quick summary of what it looks like live. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's all I have to say. No, I, I agree. And I think you, as you were speaking, I, like I, I like I said, I, I, let me try that again. As you were speaking, I empathized a lot with what you were saying because my parents used to do stuff like that to me all the time as well. Um, But what it made me think of is conceptualizing that triggers are not bad. Like they feel bad and they feel like you're, you know, going or retreating back to emotions or feelings or memories or flashbacks or whatever. And they they could lead to to very bad stuff. They could lead to very bad stuff. But I want to say like, in my experience and my perspective is that triggers are a way of your body and your brain trying to protect itself from future harm. Your brain and Mm -hmm. your body trying to say, whoa, we've been through this before. Like, what? This is scary. Like, this is not what I want. And so I think, like, I want to say that triggers are not bad. And if you are experiencing them, don't feel like you are bad, that you're not, you know, you're not doing enough or that you're not um, managing your trauma like well enough and then the next thing I want to say is like 
reminding our listeners this is so funny because it feeds into like so much of what you're saying earlier in the episode of like Nick and I I think have to remember that we are not experts and I have to remember that I am not an expert and that we are trying to do this sort of this conversation. Is not medical advice. This is not medical <laughs> advice. We're trying to do this conversation as the average Joes that we feel that we are. Um, yeah, we want to like normalize triggers. Yes, like yes. even that conversation with my dad, that yeah. was this, only the second time we've ever talked about stuff. And right. it, I want it to get to a point where it's not like touchy for me yes. too. You know, it's yes. like it's triggers are normal and they're who we are. Yeah, so. absolutely. But those were the things I wanted to say as far as closing or wrapping up the yeah moving through, managing and, and kind of coping with, with triggers. But no, I think that was, those yeah. were all really good like a solutions, even though we didn't really incorporate a solutions yeah. segment into this one, yeah. but no, that's good. Yay. Uh, you ready to move on? Let's do it. All right. So we're going into our deep cut and hard truths. If you have anything to add, I, I have one kind of based off my sour okay. <laughs> uh, parents, uh, your children come first. So that could look like mm-hmm. what happened with my dad. And I like, he finally got there, but like my story is my truth. And mm. it's a, it's a big TikTok trend. Like, you're, you had a great childhood. You What do you mean? And you're like, yeah, mom, I know you don't remember this, but it's because it was a Tuesday for yes, you, but it was yes. a gnarly trauma for me, right? <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> for me, it was a fucking Wednesday. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. Like, so for reals, like, just put yourselves aside and just yeah. listen to your kids. That's all they want. That's all they want is for you to listen. Yes. I um, I think I didn't, I didn't think that I had one that I wanted to share today, but I, I think I do, which is I think... Do it. I think you're going to like... You're going to like this story. I, I hope it's a shot off the hip. Come on. It's a shot off the hip. So Join me. I want to say, so do you want me to say what I think that I want to say first and then tell the story or can I just tell the story? I would say, no, no. Say the deep cut or hard truth and then say why. We want this to be like a punch in the face and then an exploration. I don't know. I'm an extroverted processor. Why don't you know? Because I think I have to tell the story first and I think I need you to tell me what the deep cut or hard truth is. Oh, okay. That's is fine. Is that Okay. Yeah, I'll allow it. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, for those of you that are listening and have listened to previous episodes, um, I am dating two very fabulous and wonderful humans. A um, thruple? My thruple, yes. It's very exciting, very eee. fun. Yes. Eee. And so, me and my humans, we went out on the town on Saturday night and went to the only gay bar in Colorado Springs. Um, okay. It was so fun. And Nick, you would love it. Every single, <laughs> I'm so serious, every single bartender is also a performer. Oh, wow. So that's super cool. they like pour drinks. And My they, worst nightmare, but. And then fuck. they get on stage and like <laughs> sing to you. And it is that's so cool. divine. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So, anyways, we arrive and uh, this random person comes from the bar and like comes up to the front and says, Oh, can I see your IDs? And we were like, Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Turns out. Yeah wasn't an employee just a <laughs> just a guest just somebody that wanted to say oh could, like funny. i want to make friends so anyways we later learn this person's name is ray and so ray mm-hmm. um then like comes and joins us at our table and says like sorry please don't be mad at me like i was just joking around and we were like ray no worries like whatever ray. So cool like so fun ray and he was like very insecure about like his actions and what he had did what he had done and so then what he had done did what he had done did so then ray proceeds to have conversation with us and then in a really strange way like asks us like so who's queer here like so what are you, what's your sexuality who's your what how do we all identify oh. here and 
that was red flag number one. And so then I started <laughs> to intervene in a way. I started to intervene in a way. And I said, well, okay. like, we're all together. Like, d- what do you think about that? Is, like, is that okay with you? Like, uh-huh. being a dick about it, basically. Uh-huh. Um, but Was he trying to be a dick about it or was no. he... No, I think genuine. I think he was being genuine. Um, I think that he was trying to hit on Zach was my perspective. But okay. I was like, no, we're all together. And he was like, really? Like, wait, what? And then I was like, yeah, we're all together. Like, they've been together for a while and, like, I'm new. Um, and then Ray orders himself a tequila shot, takes his tequila shot, and looks at all of us and says, prove it. Oh. Prove it. Like, wanted us to, like, prove that we were all together. And he was like, yeah, can, can uh-huh. you all kiss? And I looked at him and I said, Ray, that doesn't feel very nice. Like, that's not a nice thing for you to ask us to do as our new friend. We are really open to questions, but I'm not going to perform for you. Like, yeah. that's not what I'm here to do. So I said the words, like, that that's doesn't a little feel, weird, yeah. that doesn't feel nice. And then Ray, like, reverted. I, like, spoke to him like we were on the playground, right? And then he kind of reverted yeah. to, like, playground mentality of, like, whoa, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm so sorry. So he ended up being our enemy, but could have been a friend. Um, but I, I don't know what my deep cut or hard truth through that could be. I think it's, like, yeah, I just don't, know. don't be, I don't know, don't be an asshole. Don't make assumptions. Like, I don't know. Maybe don't ask someone to have sexual relations in front of you. Yeah, what? Don't ask people to perform. That's annoying. Yeah, that's weird. But I feel like the initial, he was trying to maybe connect with you guys. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't want to shut that down. Like, you know, ask questions. And if you're a little awkward when you ask them, just, I don't know, preface it. Like, hey, I'm going to try. Like, I'm trying to be cool. And I want to, or I always like to say, can you educate me? I'm not really sure. What yeah. You're, like, can you just educate me? Like, I want to be. A- <laughs> and it was like, that's the whole reason we went to like a queer space to be able to be yeah. like what we are and what we wanted to be and to like not be accepted or felt like people were like challenging or pressuring yeah. or pressing on us in that moment. It didn't feel good, but. Yeah, no. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. That's good. It's a good story though, right? That was Yeah, no, it was a great story. It wasn't very nice, Ray. Wasn't very nice. No, it wasn't very nice, Ray. It started out. I was like, uh, I wanted to be the, you know, empathize with Ray. But. No, we end up, we ended up hating Ray. So <laughs> that was a great show, Kayla. Yes, it was a great show. Thank you, Nick, and I love you. I love you too. Follow us at Trauma Drama Podcast on Instagram and TikTok to see show updates, video highlights, and much more. And DM us for topic suggestions, corrections, worries, concerns, love, and hate. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We upload episodes every Monday and Friday. It might change. Stay tuned.